Hello everybody, welcome to Coffee Time with Byron. I am your host, Byron. This is episode number 87, let's say. I don't know, I'm I'm lost, but hey, who cares? I know I'm close to 100. (laughs) And we are on YouTube currently at Coffee Time with Byron. And available next day on all podcasting apps. Google, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, all of them. And alongside me is former Major League pitcher, Sean Lowe. Thank you for joining us. How are you tonight? Uh, doing good, man. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Unfortunately, I got it. It's the damn if you don't and damn if you do question that I have to ask. Uh, you as a former player, this lockout is crazy, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure you're still a baseball fan as as many of you guys are, are still as retired players, this is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's just kind of part of it. You know, um, I go back to 94, 95, and uh, I was a double-A player at the time. And we went, they did the lockout <clears throat> that off season. After the lockout, um, they put me on the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when they did that, you know, I couldn't go to spring training, couldn't do anything. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were locked out until it was in April, first uh, of April, and they started. And uh, I went to camp for about five days. And then I got one little outing, and then they shipped me out to double A, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, you know, it makes it tough on guys like that. You know, the guys that, that have, have kind of been there and, uh, made their money and had their careers, you know, that they're fighting for guys like, like me at that time. Right. You know, right. Uh, you know, for the guys that are coming up and, and, you know, it's the same story every time. Uh, it's always, they're fighting over billions of dollars, which, which it is, you know, right. they're, they're, it's, a, it's over a bunch of money, but right. that's just the industry, you know, and, and that's the way it goes. But, um, I like what the players are, are going after, you know, trying to, to take care of pre-arbitration players, uh, the younger guys, because you have to play a long time in, in pro baseball at the major league level to, to get to a point where you can actually use your numbers and your stuff and, and, and your track record to, to get money, you know, to get paid. So a lot of this stuff right now, what they're going over is that, you know, to get those guys money, you know. And then, you know, the Big Bang is the, the we called it a luxury tax back in the day. They call it a competitive balance tax now. Yeah. You know, they're wanting to raise that because it's always a fight over so-called salary cap. Right. And the players kind of feel like they kind of use it kind of that way, which they probably do. You know, that's kind of what it's for. But, but uh, you know, those few things are pretty far apart on, you know, and I, I don't know how long it's going to last, man. I, it's pretty crazy, you know, it's sad just because of the way, you know, especially now with social media, like what we do, I mean, everybody's got a, right. got a, a podcast platform. and everything. Yeah. Got yeah, everything. Yeah. Talk about it. People can share their feelings. You can hear about it. And, and most of the time it's negative, you know, they're always just, you know, they're kind of dogging the game and, you know, because when it gets down to the business side, even as a player, it's great to be a player, but when it's, when it comes down to the business side, it sucks. You know, it's just never really any fun. What do you now? What do you make of uh, people saying, "I, I mean, I'm I'm fifty fifty because I never played the sport. I wanted to, but I was just never good enough." 
what do you make of a lot of people saying that the that the players are just greedy and the owners are doing the right thing by locking them out? You as a former yeah. player, I know you got to hate when people say that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not greed. You know, it's if you if if you take the amount of dollars that's involved in it, you know, I mean, it's, it's like any, you know, my dad was a truck driver. He right. was in the Teamsters Union. Right. You know, and I remember as a kid, several times going down and picking it, he'd have to pick it and do things, you know. Yeah. And they're talking about a huge union. You're talking about millions of dollars. I mean, pension plans and all this stuff, you know, but it's just not broadcast like, like baseball is. And they don't know what everybody's making. Right. You know, baseball, everybody knows what people make, you know, but, you know, it's never greed. It's it's about the principle and, and what you're playing for. You know, it, it, uh, it's 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 not that they're just trying to grab every dollar that they can grab. They just want to get what they can get based on the whole industry. You know, mm-hmm. and you got to split up somehow or, or the owners get all the money like they used to back in the day. But, uh, you know, they, they're not afraid to pay them. I mean, before the lockout, there was record you know, record money being spent, you know, three, 300 million with, with uh, the shortstop from the Dodgers. He went to the Rangers, you know, they weren't afraid to spend that right before. So, right. you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, you know, that the, the press has to do it that way. The, the ownership side kind of gives out their side and wants people to think they're, they're in the bad spot. And, you know, the players want to make sure that, that, that they get their expressions out that, that they're trying to, to negotiate good and, and, and play the game. You know, you, you got to have them. You got to have a collective bargaining agreement every five, six, seven years. That's usually what comes up. And yeah. it's, it's, it got down to this point, you know, to where they have to lock players out. I, you know, people have been asking me, and I, I thought they had kind of had it done just because. But uh, it looks like it may, you know, just from everything I hear, I, I don't, I'm not in on anybody. You know, I don't have any secret people I talk to, I watch the same stuff you guys do, but it doesn't look very good, you know, um, right now. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping something good happens. So, so we can start watching the game again. You know, I, I've been watching a lot of college, you know, which I like that. My son's getting into college next there year. You go. So. There you go. Yeah. So I'm a little more interested in that. I never had watched it much, but I do now. Yeah. Cause you're still around watching, uh, because your lockout, your lockout went through basically the World Series and ended through that. Yeah. You, you were in the minors. You were a part of that. Is that where you see this going to? Where you see this happening? Like what happened when you went through your lockout? Well, Has yeah, when we year? did it, when they locked us out, they actually had uh, scab players replacements that uh, went to spring training mm-hmm. and uh, they, they tried to play with uh, replacement players, you mm-hmm. know, and they did for a few weeks before they finally, after about a week or two of that, they kind of came to an agreement, you know, but uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to get that far to where they're going to try to get, you know, replacement players. Obviously they're not doing that uh, now, or they would already been talking about it, but right. You know, I, I mean, everything, like I said, I, I thought something good was going to happen with it, but, you know, just from what I've been watching and reading and seeing, you know, it, it, they don't look like they're closing their gap very much. But, but it's going to take a little work. You know, they've they made a little bit every day, but you know, right now they don't. They're uh, they're bickering more than they're they're making decisions. You know, right? It's it's horrible to see exactly. So you were drafted by the Cardinals in the first round of the '92 
draft out of your seven year major league career. That's pretty high up. That's that's pretty that's pretty pretty amazing yeah. stuff there. Did you know you were going yeah, to get, did you know you were going to get drafted that high? Um, not really. Uh, that was the third time I got drafted. So I, I got drafted out of high school. I was a 39th round or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and I went to junior college and I was a late pick like that. And then when I went to Arizona State, I had a really good year. I, I gained some velocity and and uh, I was thinking I was going to be somewhere as a, we used to call it a sandwich pick, something in between the first and second round, a compensation pick, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a, maybe a high second round pick. But uh, it was it was uh, pretty crazy. I, you know, the Cardinals took me, and you know, I didn't really talk to them much. I talked to a lot of the teams, but the Cardinals, I never really talked too much. And you know, next thing you know, they drafted me, and you know, I, I was super happy they did. You know, it's a great organization. To, to get drafted in and learn in and you know the minor league systems the people there but uh it was a long battle for me i was a first round pick i was a 15th pick but it took me you know four four or five full seasons to to break into the major leagues so yeah you know, it wasn't easy you know uh but it was it was fun you know and I, it was a good good grind and uh, a lot of life lessons inside that and learning and different people and different lives and sleeping on you know, air mattresses, living with three or four guys in a, in a, in a year. You know, it's uh, pretty crazy, but you know, it it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. But I still had to, you know, being picked high, I still went through you know the grind of the minor leagues more than I wanted. <laughs> now, take us th- take us through the day of your major league call up. What was going on through your head? Who'd you call? Who told you? And did you have goosebumps your for your first day in the majors? Oh yeah, um, it was uh, it was you know I thought I was going to get called up that year. It was it was it was August 29th is, is the day. So two days later, you know they have a September call ups. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I was hearing that I was going to get the chance to to do that, but I didn't. You never know for sure, you know. But uh, I was in Louisville with AAA for the Cardinals, and and I uh, I had thrown a bullpen. Mm-hmm. It was my, I was a starter, and I was it was my bullpen day. And uh, I was out there throwing, and and they they shut me down. They said you, you can't, you know, don't throw. You know, you need to stop throwing because I guess they had just called them. And and I uh, went up to the went inside the clubhouse. The manager called me in. Uh, my manager was uh, Joe Patini was his name, which he he was with the Cardinals for a long time uh, at, in the minor leagues and big leagues. Uh, he he became a big league coach after that. Uh, after I left the Cardinals and mm-hmm. was there for a time. But uh, he just called me in the office and, you know, I, I thought, honestly, I didn't know what to think. I wasn't thinking that it was a call up, you know, it's kind of weird. They stopped me. I'm like, what the crap, you know, <laughs> you know, I go in the, go in the office and, and uh, he just kind of sat me down and asked me how I felt. And he said, well, we got a call from the, the big league club, uh, Todd Stottlemyre. I don't know if you remember that name, big leaguer forever. Oh yeah. Uh, Really good guy, yep. awesome, awesome guy, awesome baseball guy, awesome teammate person all the way around. Uh, but he had had elbow, or I don't know if his elbow or shoulder, one or the other was was bothering him, so they were going to shut him down. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, he said, "Well, yeah." They asked if I like Kansas City. I said, "Yeah, it's a nice place." And they said, "Well, you're going to be pitching there in a couple of days." You know, and I was like, "You know," and you know, at that time, it's just like. You, you don't know what to think. I mean, when you when you dream of things like that, and in your whole life, 
just yeah. revolves around playing the game and and you know just pretty much your whole identity at that time you know you just kind of become a baseball player and you don't really know you're that kind of what what you are until you're done and it's gone but you know i just sat there and you know took a deep breath and you know shook the shook joe's hand and told him i appreciate everything and you know, I walk out of the clubhouse, walk out of my office into the clubhouse, and guys were just now coming in from taking bad practice. And, you know, I kind of told them and, you know, do the old high five thing for a couple minutes. And uh, back then, I went to the payphone. We had a little payphone in the locker room, you know. That's 1997, so there wasn't many cell phones at that no, time. No, there wasn't. <laughs> you know, I went and, you know, put the quarters in the machine. And uh, actually, I probably had a calling card or something. I don't know if I put quarters in there, but. But I just called home at that time. I wasn't married or anything at that time. And, uh, my parents were, you know, the closest things to, to, that I had for support. Right. right. You know, they were always, they were at everything they could be at, you know. And I just called them and told them. Like, they, they cried before I did, you know, because they were just happy. They they see what you go through as a player. And, as, you know, when it's when you're a parent watching your kid you know, go through good and bad, you know, it's not always easy. So they, they feel the same stuff. So it was just a good little conversation. They were happy. And, you know, two days later they were, you know, up in Kansas city and, and watched my debut. Did you, did you get to uh, pitch in your debut or did you have to wait? After uh, I started. Yeah, I started. I, it was uh, against Kansas city in Kansas city. And uh, it was the first interleague game. So mm-hmm. back then they didn't play interleague right. until that year, and it was the first one. And that uh, they call it, I think it's I ninety four or something like that series with Kansas yeah. City. And yeah, I ninety four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, that when I first thought about uh, Kansas City, I'm like, well, shoot, that that won't be so bad because it won't be that crowded, you know? Right. And you want a crowd, but you know, and uh, come to know, it was the first interleague. And it was the first sellout in Kauffman Stadium in like 10 years, you know. So it was a packed house, you know. Uh, I went like, ah, dang, I, I didn't get out of the fifth. I went like four and some, four and two thirds, four and a third. Um, I did good, and uh, I got in a little trouble. I gave a few runs uh, in the last inning, I think. I gave a few, and I think I might have even left the bases loaded. I don't remember, but we actually got out of it, and, and uh, we won the game. Uh, I didn't get the win, but but I did good enough to stay there through September. <laughs> I think I got another start or two, you know, before the year was over. But but uh, that was about it. Now you were with the team in '98 with the whole McGuire Sosa chase. Yeah. Uh, what was that experience like being a part of something that well, huge? I was I was in the minors too, so I, I spent time. I spent time at both places. I was up and down like five times that year, but it, it was unreal. You know, the time I spent there, the, you know, batting practice, there was 25,000 people watching batting practice. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, even you, open. even you watched it, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everybody did. I mean, the other team, you know, the other team sitting in the dugout watch, you yeah. know, McGuire. I mean, it, it's amazing. You know, the, the most amazing thing about how he hit home runs was just how high they went. <laughs> they weren't just far, you know, they just, they sailed, yeah. you know. He just gets so much loft on it and it goes so far. But but that was cool. He hit he hit a home run in my debut game. He hit a bomb there, which was really cool. But um, just being a part of the little bit that I was and, and 
I got sent back down and I didn't get called up that September. So I wasn't there, mm-hmm. you know, when he, when he broke the record, which that kind of makes me mad. But they ended up trading me that offseason to the White Sox. That's probably why they didn't call me back up, you know. <laughs> probably, but yeah. It, it was crazy, man. That, that guy, McGuire, I tell you, you know, as a kid, I really didn't have much of a favorite player. You know, I just liked the game. It wasn't no one person. But, you know, when I saw him and, and I got to play with him, and how he handled all that stuff. He's real kind of a shy guy to himself. And mm-hmm. He was so popular at that time, and everybody wanted a piece of him, you know. And he was just down to earth and, you know, very supportive. And, you know, me being a rookie or whatever, he, he treated me great. But at that time, I'm like, man, I tell you what, that's that's the kind of big leaguer I want to be, you know. You know, I hate all the other stuff, you yeah. know, with the steroids and things like that. I mean, it takes away from, from right. what he really was, you know, and he, right. which was – really good dude awesome baseball player and you know just a good person all around you know but uh but it was cool to be there i i faced sammy quite a bit uh you know not that year but over the years and he he always i always liked him too you know and it was good to see that that you know talking about all this you know with that year you know right now with the the striker the uh the lockout going on that was the year after the lockout or they're saying that that's what saved baseball, you know, because 95 really knocked it down. Attendance went down. And then when that kind of happened, yeah. you know, hopefully they may have to have another McGuire episode to, to save the game here. <laughs> I know. I agree with you on that. Something's got to happen to change the game. Now, you as a pitcher, you throwing at these guys. Did you know something was going on like steroids, even though they weren't? Even though they it, it was allowed at the time because there was no yeah. rulings against it. Yeah. Now, could you know? Could you tell players were juicing up as a pitcher because you you got to go up against these guys while you yeah. while your time up in the majors. So did yeah, you know something you know, was going it, on? Yeah, it's one of those things where you know you hear stuff. You don't know a hundred percent unless you're there when they're doing something. You know, but you hear things and. It, it was around, you know, it was around and when I was in the minor leagues and I, you know, I, I knew some guys and, you know, I, and I didn't really realize the amount of pitchers that kind of, that did it. I, you know, but af- after it was all said and done, it all kind of happened. I, I kind of looked at it more, you know, for me as a pitcher, I never felt like I needed them, you know, um, cause I, I wasn't really trying to throw harder. Right. You know, I was really trying to, <clears throat> throw strikes better, you know, make better pitches. You know, that was kind of my deal. I, I never felt like I needed more zip, and you know, I felt like I had enough stuff, just needed to make it work, you know. But, you know, looking back now, you know, how it can help you recover and do things like that, you know, in a long season, you throw two or three days in a row out of the bullpen, you know, and your arm's sore, you know, that day it might help you, you know, the endurance, the recovery time. And, you know, so I, 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 was, I played dumb. I mean, I never – you know, I'd never crossed my mind to mess with them, you know, but, you know, looking back, knowing what I know now, I don't know what I've done, you know, it's it, just knowing what everybody was doing it. But that, I probably, if you had asked me back then, before I got done, I got done in 03, that was the year that the, the whole Balco, yeah, testing came in. Yeah, the Balco they, they thing, had, yeah. Yeah, we did a, we did a, uh, they, they tested in spring training that year, and if over like, five percent or ten percent of the guys failed then they would implement a, a drug program and that and it was like there was more we, we actually went over i don't know who it was when 
you know, A-Rod got in there and Big Poppy was in there, you know, and a bunch of guys, I think Sammy, and but, but they got released somehow. But, but uh, you know, the I would have said maybe like, I don't know, 20, 10, 20 percent of the guys, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe 20 percent kind of. But, you know, when, when I look back now, it's like there was more than, I mean, probably half the guys or more. Yeah, you know, it's. It was a lot more rampant than I actually knew, you know, and I was there every day, you know, but I didn't pay attention to it that much just other than what I heard. And, you know, and it it was just kind of one of those things, you know, back then as a player, you just don't say stuff about it. You know what I'm saying? You don't call, you know, you don't, you know, you you might get blackballed or something. Look, you know, Jose kind of came out and he, he says to this day that he got blackballed, you know, and, yeah, you know, with a lot of that stuff, and he might have—I don't know—but you know, it was just one of those things as a player. You just didn't really—you ain't gonna snitch on your guys or or say anything about them, you know. But in all reality, you know, they were taking my job. You know, they were. Yep. Faithful, yeah, you know. I look back now that I'm done. It's like, man, I—I I don't know if I got cheated or not, you know. But but I know I had to go up against some guys that were, you know, juicing up and and. At, just kind of crazy how everything just kind of flipped over and uh the players started pushing more for testing and doing things like that which you know i would have been the same way you know i i'd rather play on an even playing field you know you got to go lift weights or get in shape that's one thing but you know when you supplement and you're able to to have an advantage over somebody physically you know not not necessarily strength or home runs or just physically every day because you know, baseball is a grind every day. You know, you play a lot of games, and there's very rarely a day off. And when there is, you're probably traveling somewhere. You know, so I mean, it's it, it takes a toll on your bodies. So, you know, that's why guys do it. It's not even really just to, you know, like I said, hit home runs or get strong, but it's just to stay healthy and be on the field at your best, at right. your peak every day. You know, right. that's the hardest thing about it. So you have to be peaking every day, or you know, you get your ass handed to you. So what would you say, besides your debut, what would you say is your, oh, would be your, oh, my God, I this is my big league moment that I've had in my career. What would you say, what would you say was your oh, career man. moment? You know, uh, it's hard to say because, I mean, I didn't have nothing fancy or special. You know, I was just one of those guys that grinded through it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was one, just maybe one game, you know, I threw against Cleveland when it was like a Sunday night baseball game, you know, and I had a few years in the big leagues and, you know, I, I almost went a complete game. And, you know, I, I guess that's might have been because it's a big national game or whatever. But, you know, it's just I, I didn't really – I mean, we made the playoffs one year that I played, and but I never got to pitch in it. <laughs> you know, so I can't say that, you know, but, but really just – I don't know. I mean, being there the first time, I mean, maybe, maybe being able to stay there for a full year, you know, and, and being proud of that because mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard, you know. And then, uh, you know, after another year, you know, just every year, it was just like a, you know, a blessing, you know, that, you're, that every day that you could spend there. But, that, you know, in order to stay there for an extended period of time, that, that was probably the most fulfilling for me. I wish it had been longer, but, you know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. Very true. Now, this says you were primarily a middle relief guy. Now, 
did you want to be a starter or oh, yeah. did you want to oh, yeah. or did you want to do the role you were primarily told to do which was middle relief what happened yeah, there I, I came up i started all the time in the minors that's mm -hmm. all i did i only had a few relief appearances um so i wanted to be i, I felt like that's kind of what i was but but when i got you know when i got my opportunities um to stay it was you know i pitched out of the pen uh mostly and that's with the white Sox. you know after the cardinals and and i was kind of a i did a little bit of everything with you know i i was i did long relief sometimes i'd come in and get you know in the sixth inning and um but i enjoyed the long relief because i was able to go in there and get innings you know but a lot of those innings sometimes were I mean, we were either losing by a lot or winning by a lot, you know. Yeah. I picked up, you know, I my first year out of the pen, I, I threw almost 100 innings out of the bullpen. Yeah. Which is pretty rare, you know, for, for bullpen guys. Usually they're 50 or 60, 70 innings maybe. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of innings out of it. And, you know, I just got good at that. Sometimes when you get good at something, you know, they th that role kind of sticks with you a little bit. But, you know, I had – And I thought I did pretty good, um, and, uh, and then they took me out of rotation, and you know I went back to the pen, and you know, and I I got uh, got traded that off season to the Pirates, and you know I got the phone call in the off season, and you know the the pitching coach was like, "Hey man, we want to get two hundred innings out of you this year," mm -hmm. and I said, "Yeah." You know, so it was like I thought it was an open door, which it was. I mean, it was a good opportunity. Uh, I got traded with a couple other guys and uh, went to spring training and did really well. Gave up one run in like 20 innings. And uh, they ended up putting me in the pen anyway, you know, because <laughs> they just felt like I could handle it better. And uh, then the guys that they had, they just wanted to go with their best guys. And at the time, I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. I was kind of bitter. But, you know, looking back now, it made sense. You know, as a player, you just, I just wanted that. I, I wanted a chance to be a guy, you know, to, to be in a rotation every day to try to get 25, 30 starts. But, yeah. you know, it just didn't work out that way. But, uh, you know, I, they might have let me start a little bit more if I had, you know, there's a few, a few starts that gave me. I just didn't have that great of a year for them. So, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of shot myself in the foot. Now, is there a different, did you have a different mindset? has a middle relief compared to what you were as a starter? Is there a different mindset? No. Is there a different routine? What do you got to do differently than as a starter? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, mindset, depending on the situation, like I said, I did a little bit of everything. But, you know, when I got in that situation where I was just going to go in and get that one inning, you know, that, that's a lot different than, than being a starter. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the mindset of it, you kind of – you go after hitters maybe a little bit different, um, you know, and, and I wasn't a guy, guy that was going to strike out a whole bunch of guys in that big blower, but, uh, you know, I, I would try to probably get more strikeouts or, you know, try to put guys away sooner to get out of that inning rather than maybe setting them up or going after them a different way as a starter, knowing that I might see them again, you know, in the third, the fifth or whatever. Uh uh, as far as like on that day's mindset, uh, if you're looking at it from pre preparation, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you have to, when you're in the bullpen, you have to be ready mentally every day. You know, there's no time off to, to relax your mind or, or just take a, take a, you know, take a day off. You just, you, you might be in there. So when you prepare, you know, your, 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 your workout routine, your, you, you just got to get in these little rhythms on a daily basis that, that kind of gets you into that mode every day. It's similar to, I guess, a position player, but, uh, get you to be ready. Like, uh, when you get to the field, the amount of throwing that you do, um, you know, the, the sides, the bullpens, the, you know, all your lifting, it just kind of, that's all the same stuff, but it's just done differently uh, on, on a daily basis. You know, when you start, you know, you, you pitch every fifth day. So, I mean, it's a lot easier to know exactly how to prepare your body right. and be strong, you know, and be strong. And you got, you know, you got your day off after you pitch and then you got your next, you know, you got next day you got your bullpen and you got your weights and you, you got your running. It's all, it's all designed for one day, you know, and it's that one, that fifth day, everything builds to that fifth day, you know, you know, whether you're watching video or, you know, scouting, you know, scouting the other hitters, watching them on video and, and watching yourself, you against what they look like. You just have a lot more time to prepare for that one game. You know, when you when you're pitching out of the bullpen, you're preparing for every game. You right. know, so as soon as you're there, you're preparing for that game. You, you don't. There's nothing else after that. You get to the field as a starter, and it's not your start day. You're preparing for three days from now. You know what I'm saying? It's just the whole mental side of yeah, it. Yeah, the mental you side. Know, yeah, I enjoyed that part of it way more. I, you know, I, I felt like I was a lot better when I could go out and give innings, whereas going in and trying to get a guy here. Or an inning here, you know. So, but you know, to to play in the big leagues, you know, I'll take any job they give me, you know, and and just try to help win, you know, and do good at your job, you know. Um, that's all I tried to do. The, the, the time that I spent there every day was to to stay there, you know, to try to stay. You know, yeah. I I never had a chance to relax a whole lot. It, it wasn't that easy for me, you know. It's just a real tough game. You know, it's a fun game, and and when you're going good, there ain't nothing better. But sometimes when you're not, it's pretty dang tough on you. You know, right? Exactly. So we we talked a little bit about. Uh, I'm going to do the rest of your teams as well, but we already talked about the Cardinals. I'm not going to do that because we already did it on that. You said when you said also you got traded first to the White Sox. You spent two years mm-hmm. there. Um, like three. Three. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Three. Mm-hmm. You spent ninety nine to two thousand one there. Can you tell the audience how that experience was playing for the White Sox, that crowd, that atmosphere, the team that the teams that you had, any and if you had any special games you had with them? Uh, you know, um, you know, I, that's who I, you know, I spent three years with them in a row, and it was all in the big leagues. I spent a little bit of time in the minors for ten days um, in '01. I'm not real sure why, but I did. But uh, the White Sox were great. You know, when when I got traded over there, it, it was it was a it was a perfect place for me. You know, I, I I pitched with the Cardinals for two seasons. You know, two seasons up and down, and I just really didn't do a whole lot to to make them want to keep me in the big leagues. You know, I had some moments, but I just didn't do it very good consistently. I yeah. pitched really well for him in the minor leagues, gave him a ton of innings there, and you know, just wasn't 
getting over the hump with them. But uh, when I got Trey the White Sox, I knew a lot of the guys. They were younger. It was at the time. It was the you know the motto was the kids can play. You know, so they were really promoting a lot of young guys. And, right. Um, you know, when I got there, you know Frank was already there, uh, and Ray Durham. Yeah. Those two guys, and then that's about it. That were veterans. Jermaine Dive. What's that? Was Jermaine Dive with them too, or did he come he later? Wasn't there yet. Uh, oh, he yeah. wasn't there. I, he was with uh, Kansas City, I think, at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's right. I forgot. He yeah, didn't start he, out his I career. I go back to him in the minor leagues. I played him quite a bit when, when in AAA. But uh, he, he came like a year or two after I left. I, uh, he was and he, he was able to get there for the World Series, yeah. you know. But we had, uh, you know, Canerco had just gotten traded over from the, from the Reds. Uh, Maglio Ordonez, he got called up yep. the same day to the big leagues that I did when I was in Louisville. We told that story. Maglio was in town on the visiting team, and he got called up that same day. But uh, that's how I, you know I knew him. So when I got into camp, there were several guys I played played against quite a bit that were you know that I knew real well, and they were young. So I just it, I just kind of fit in better um, for whatever reason, you know. And I had a good spring and made a team, and they treated me great. Uh, Jerry Manuel was the manager, and you know he was real good to me. I felt like he gave me Jerry Manuel. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, you know, and um, he treated me right. You know, he was always up front with me, um, and then uh, we just didn't have a whole bunch of guys, you know, as far as like big names. But they were they they're big names now, you know. So it it was a perfect little trade for me and. You know, like I said, they gave me a lot of innings, and you know, uh, that's they're a class act organization. Uh, great people there, trainer, trainers. You know, the, the staff was great. Um, it, it was, it was three great years. You know, I, you know, we made the playoffs in two thousand. We we won ninety five games that year, and uh, that was the most wins in the major leagues. And we ended up playing Seattle in the in the first round and we got swept in three games and uh i was supposed to i had game four i was starting the game four back uh back at home mm-hmm. uh, and we got swept out we lost one nothing in that last game on a squeeze bunt in the bottom of the ninth inning that was the year that they left uh their old stadium right to go to safeco that was the first uh-huh. year wasn't it yep. yes sir yeah we played there i think we might have been we might have been one of the first games there. Um, we did it there and uh, did the same thing in, in Milwaukee. It was kind of like the same same time. Yeah, because I think the new Miller. Game. Yeah, I think the new Miller Park yeah. started too yeah, that so year. We either played a we played an exhibition game there before it before it was a real game. So I don't know if that was considered the first real game. But uh, but I, I do remember going to Seattle that year and the bullpens in left field. And at the time, it, it was like. Where you're throwing on the bullpen, the, the mound, and then to the you know just two two feet away from you is a fence. Yeah, yeah. Right there underneath the stadium, and there was unbelievable amount of people, and they were I mean two feet away from you, they were all in you. I mean, saying anything and everything. To this day, they're still like that too. The crowd is still over watching you guys. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't have any. They didn't have any any security guys down there. Yeah. But, uh, so we you know that night we went in, we told them we're like, hey. 
you know, this is pretty rowdy. You know, they get so the next night, you know, they had a couple of guys down there that helped. But, <laughs> but that's a, that's an awesome place, man. I, I love that ballpark. You know, it's still it's still nice now, but back then, I mean, it was a big park. The fence they didn't move the fences in. It was a pitcher's type park, and you know, usually in the summertime, it's really great. So, weather, what was so. the what, what was the like point against that team? Because that team had powerhouses. No wonder why they swept you guys. They had yeah, pilot, you know, they, they got had, us. Yeah. They, they got us because they they outpitched us. You yeah, know, they, they had a Rod, a Rod Johnson, Griffey, yeah. Ichiro's mm-hmm. first year. Yeah, Ed, Martinez. Yeah, John Olerud, Edgar Martinez. Jamie Moyer. Uh, Jamie Moyer, uh, Mike Cameron. Yeah. Uh, who was their shortstop? I can't remember who their shortstop was. Uh, had Mark McLemore yep. played there. Yep. Uh, Jay Buhner. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so they were, they were really good. You know, that... That next year, in 2001, that's when they won 116 something games. games. Yeah, they were projected, I believe, both years. If I believe, if I believe, yeah. so they were projected both years to win the uh, win the World Series. Both years, yeah. 2000 yeah. and 2001. A lot of us thought they would have. Yeah, a lot of us thought they would. That that 01, you know, they were <clears throat> they were unreal. You know, they just didn't lose. You know, they were stacked from top to bottom. You know, starting pitching, bullpen. They could hit. They had great defense, you know. But uh, of course, the Yankees beat them. Yeah. Then uh, they lost to Arizona. Arizona, yeah, yeah. So tell tell you tell me now after you leave, since you had memorable years in Chicago and those memorable playoff, almost playoff experiences with the White Sox that year against the Mariners, you didn't go to Pittsburgh. And you played for two teams that year, Pittsburgh and Colorado Rockies in 2 What was that like that whole year for you, switching half, yeah. switching half yeah. with one team and switching half with the other? What was that experience yeah. like? Actually, what happened, uh, I just didn't pitch very well that year. Um, and toward the end of the year, I think they were going to trade me or try to trade me. and So I, did, I didn't pitch like from – Right at the deadline, trade deadline, they didn't pitch me mm-hmm. for like six or seven days. But I think it's because they were just trying to trade me and um, they couldn't work nothing out or however it was or nobody wanted me. I don't know. Uh, I didn't pitch that well that year, but uh, they sent me down and, at the trade deadline on August 1st. And uh, I spent three weeks, I think, uh, in the minor leagues. And uh, they called me back up right at, at, at September. I think it was wasn't three. It was it was like August eighth or ninth. They sent me down. So it's like two or three weeks in minors. And they called me back up. And I had one outing back up there. And then they called me in the office before we went on a road trip. And they just released me. Mm-hmm. So when they released me, I just drove home. And when by by the time I got home, my agent called and said the Rockies wanted to. Uh, they wanted to sign me. So uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. was over there, and I played with him in 01. And I had I pitched really well that year. That was the year I got a lot of starts with the White Sox. And, and Sandy kind of got me over there. You know, he saw that I got released, and he went into with Dan O'Dowd and kind of pushed and said, hey, man, you ought to try to give this guy a chance. So they called me, and 
a couple of days after I got released and I ended up signing a deal with them for that rest of that year with an option for the next season. So I spent, I don't know, like it was like three weeks of the, of the season that year uh, with the Rockies. So it wasn't very long. Uh, it was kind of a tryout, I guess, you know, they, they signed me for that year with an option. So, and I did okay. I pitched, pitched out of the pen with them. I, I don't remember how many innings I threw. I, I threw quite a few, but it wasn't, they weren't the greatest <clears throat> innings. I just didn't pitch that great that year. And uh, the best thing that came out of that was probably the the team party that we had. You know, that, that was pretty good. Uh, uh, Danny Nagel, I don't know if you remember that name. Yep, I remember him. I've been trying to get him on my podcast, but I haven't had no luck. <laughs> yeah, Denny's uh, he's a good dude. He's he's a he's a good guy. Uh, but I, I don't talk. I see him on Facebook, things like that. Yeah, that's uh, why I got a hold of him at first. Yeah, but yeah. I've gotten nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't see him. I just kind of does his thing, you know. But but he knew some guys, you know, and, and uh, we had a real good team party. You know, and, uh, Rascal Flats came and uh, Toby Keith, and and it was in Arizona. That's where we had it. It was our last road trip. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the best thing that happened out of that those few weeks. And when the off season came around, uh, they didn't pick my option up, so I, I became a free agent, so to speak. And uh, I signed with the Royals that year. Yeah, I saw I saw that because like we were talking about earlier, go figure, you make your debut there in Kansas City sure, sure. and you end your career in Kansas City. Yeah. So what was yeah. that experience like? Because you played... They, they, it was great. I mean, I loved it there. You guys, I mean, ha- Sitting, you guys I mean, had good players. Like, you guys had good yeah. players. Just couldn't get yeah. to the playoffs. Yeah, that, that year, yeah, that year, we were... We were in the first place pretty much all year. Yeah, because you, you, you had started out. You had Beltron. You had Damon. Yeah, yeah. Damon left that year. Uh, Damon and uh, we just talked. Jermaine Die. They both got traded. Yeah. And we had we had Carlos Beltran. He yep. was our center fielder. Yep. Uh, Michael Tucker was our right fielder. Yep. Uh, gosh, I can't. Raul Mondesi. Uh, who's that? Raul Mondesi, the father. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he wasn't there yet. Uh, we, Mike Sweeney played there. Yeah, Mike Carlos Sweeney. Papers, Mike uh, Sweeney. Uh, Joe Randa. I mean, we had, you know, we had a good group, but we were in first place the whole year, and they hadn't, you know, they hadn't sniffed first place in many, many years. Right, since you the know, George Brett good, years. Yeah, and uh, at the end of the year, um, I got shipped out at the end of the year. Um, they they didn't get first. They ended up losing, but I, I didn't play in in September uh, or in August. They sent me down to the minor leagues, um, which that was a business thing. Kind of what I was talking about business. I had some incentives that I was going to be hitting um, to make more money. Mm-hmm. I, I was I pitched good for them. I was kind of like the middle middle six sixth inning guy, fifth sixth inning guy, seventh inning sometimes. Um, but they, they traded, they got another, uh, what was his name? Uh, another guy, he, 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 he's just like me. They got him on the cheap and they got him in a trade and he was only making the minimum because he got released in spring training and, uh, the Cardinals were paying his whole salary that year. So they, they got to Jeff sign Supon? it. Only... 
No, it was uh, God, I can't think of his name now that we're talking. Um, he wasn't a big, huge name, but we were very similar. And and like if we did the same thing, you know, mm. and they had an opportunity probably to go there and get him, you know, save a little money. And, you know, they shipped me out and they didn't get first place either. You know, that's what kind of made me mad because I felt like I was helping them, you know, I helped them get there, you know, and I felt like I gave them some good innings. But, you know, that's just the way it is. That's the that's the business side of the game, you know. Yeah. It, you know, it, 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 it can eat you alive, you know. And that, after that year, I didn't, you know, I, I had that offseason. I had a few offers um, to go play, and but uh, I just decided to – they weren't – it was like Meyer, going to Meyer League camp and – uh, just grinding me out. I just had no, uh, my second kid, uh, my son John. Honey, just had him uh, that year. Um, had two other kids already, and I was thirty-two yeah. years old, thirty-three. And you know, you know, that's what I was saying. When you're when you when you're a baseball player, you don't realize how much the base the game actually holds on to you, right? Until until you don't have it, and you realize that there's actually a whole other life out there. <laughs> Besides thinking about baseball, you know, so it's, it's pretty crazy, but you know, I, I look back, you know, I probably would have went and played again and just tried to grind it a little bit more, but it, it was, I was just kind of at the end of my, you can kind of tell the last few years I was kind of up and down and, you know, having tough years and, you know, it just kind of puts a toll on you and, and it is what it is. That was it. Now you had about close to 300 strikeouts in your career. Two-part mm-hmm. question. Uh, what pitcher would you say you had the most success against? What I mean, what hitter did you have the most success against? And what hitter pretty much dominated you? Uh, probably, I mean, I did really good against Sammy. So, so I think I faced him like, I don't know, up to 20 times maybe. I think he had one hit. You know, I did really well against him. He probably the you know out of a big name or you know that, that anybody would recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy named Chris Steins. He he's kind of like me, old journeyman, big leaguer. But I, I faced him a lot in the minor leagues, and he wore my ass out. And then when I faced him in the big leagues, probably you know five six times or whatever it was, he wore me out there too. He probably had he probably had the most success on me out of anybody, and I faced him quite a bit. But uh, you know Bernie Williams. Lefties a lot of times got me. Uh, you know, Tony Gwynn was three for four. Um, I did, yeah, I did good against uh, like Edgar Martinez. I did good against him. A lot of the right-handers, you know, I, that was I always had my most trouble against lefties. But uh, but I, I would say Bernie Williams probably had the. I, I don't even think I got him out. I didn't face him a lot. But I don't think I ever got him out. That's the one thing I can say about. That era of baseball, which I grew up on since I'm 30, so I grew up in the 90s era, is I honestly enjoyed that era. Even though, yes, unfortunately, it'll be called the steroid era, unfortunately. I hate it, but whatever. It is what it is. I grew up idolizing a lot of Hall of Famers, players like you, a lot of good names, a lot of good names. This day... Yes, there are names out there, but it doesn't seem like, at least when you in your era when you played, 
there was tons of tons and tons of Hall of Famers, soon to be Hall of Famers, guys you always knew. This this era, I mean, yeah, you have your teams that have some players, but other than that, it doesn't seem like hardly any teams have that core of good players like you guys did. You see that too? Like you guys literally had almost every single team had Hall of Famers slash to be Hall of Famers, well-named players. I mean, yeah, do, do you I see think, that? Uh, I mean, they're, they're still out there. Uh, you know, the one thing about it, a lot of it too, is just with free agency too. And uh, the way they, they work their, their, uh, their rosters, um, how they move guys in and out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys don't stay with the same team as much as they used to. You know, you get those hometown guys, you know, and those are hard to find now because they just don't stay around that much anymore. Right. But, I mean, I mean, I remember facing lineup like Cleveland Indians, and you got, you know, Kenny Lofton. Yeah, Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez. Uh, Omar, Omar Vizquel. Oh, yep, Omar Vizquel. Roberto Alomar. Yep. Uh, Jim Tony, Albert Bell, yep, Albert Manny, Bell, Manny Ramirez. I mean, these guys are all three hundred, yeah, you know, three, three, three thirty hitters with you know hundred RBIs, hundred twenty RBIs. You, you just don't have those guys anymore. You know those those kind of you got these home run guys, which is all great, but you know if they just don't they don't bat three thirty and hit right. forty. See, so you, you see, you 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 get my drift too. It's like '90s. You had almost every single team had Hall of Famers or soon to be Hall of Famers. Yeah, this generation's yeah. like what? Like yeah, like most yeah. of the teams, I don't even know any of the players that much. Yeah, yeah, it's hard for me. Like, it's hard for me now. I used to, you know, this would be, I guess, my 18th, 18th, 19th year since I played, and. Uh, I used to watch it more because I knew a lot of the guys. You know, yeah. now they're all every one of them's gone. I think right. maybe Pujols might be the only yeah, guy. Yeah, Pujols I think is the only one left. Yeah, uh, and you know, most of my friends now they're they're uh, they're coaches, you know, yeah. or a manager, you know. Right. Um, but uh, it's a the game's changed a ton. You know, just the, just everything around it. The, you know, the, you know, the shifts. Which now they're saying that they're not going to do that anymore. Right. Um, yep. You know, I, I don't, I don't even remember guys that that I faced that I had that couldn't hit the ball the other way, or 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 take advantage. If we just left the left side of the infield open, that wouldn't take advantage of that. You know, in, in today's game, they just don't want to because they don't have to. And they can yeah. bat. You know, if I face guys in the big leagues, every big league hitter is good. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between a 220 guy and a 330 guy. You know what I'm saying? And if you got a 300 hitter with power, I mean, that's hard to deal with. You know? Yeah. Now you've got guys that are that got power, but they're 220 hitters, you know, 240 even at that, you know, and, and it's just crazy how that has changed to where these, they just don't adjust 
their swing. You know, most of the time, the guys that I faced, you know, they they give you one side of the plate or the other, you know, but you had to figure out which one they were looking for. Right. You know, and most of the time, they were looking, you know, looking away from, you know, uh, with two strikes because they were willing to take the ball the other way or take it where it was pitched. You know, they would, they would give in a little power to get a hit or to put the ball in play. You know, nowadays, it's, it's, it, that just don't exist. You know, the, the whole philosophy, the whole hitting approach, the way they're teaching it, you know, they want you to walk or, or get an extra base hit. You know, the, the singles are, you know, and making contact, that's just not important anymore. You know, and it's sad for the game, you know, just because it, it takes a certain kind of player out of it. You know, like, I mean, even a Pete Rose, you know, I mean, Charlie Hustle, you know, he couldn't play in today. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm just saying that they might not even want him in today's game. And he's, you know, got 4,000 hits because, you know, yeah. he's going to get a lot of hits. He's going to hit his doubles and homers, but he's going to get hits. You know, he's going to get singles and he's going to be on base and he's going to steal, you know. And it's just kind of the way things have gone lately, you know, with the, you know, with the power. It's the power more than anything because if you can hit it over their head and they can't catch it, that's good. But if you can't, guys wouldn't do that. In, in my day, there was power. There was guys that hit home runs, but not every single guy in the lineup was going to take you deep. You know, and nowadays, every guy in the lineup's got, you know, 20 jacks, you know. And it's it's just changed the, the philosophies on on how, you know, how hitters go up there and approach the game. So you got guys that are shifting. And, you know, if you get me to hit a ground ball, I'll just hit it to you. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to change anything, but I'm going to try to lift it out of the park, you know. So I think it, it loses a little spice, you know, that that speed and stolen bases and a bunt hit, and, you know, the hit and runs, you know, just little things like that, that that make the game exciting. You know, they're just not part of it as much anymore. So a couple more questions before I let you go, because I know it's getting late over here. I'm sure it's getting late over there too. I think we're in the same time zone, so it's getting late. So I got yeah, yeah. central time. So I got a couple couple more questions. Um, you obviously retired in '03. I know you had family, like you said. Um, after your last game, did you ever think about one point in time getting into coaching or oh, yeah. or, or broadcasting? Yeah, I mean, broadcasting never. Um, I mean, this is about as good as I get. <laughs> you know, I was never, you know, I, I'm a little shy, actually. You know, mm-hmm. uh, never doing that. Uh, coaching, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to, I would have loved to, have, and I'd love to now, but, uh, you know, back then when I got out of it, would have been the time to kind of start, you know, to get into my leagues. And you know, I had young kids. And I'd been on the road for, you know, 14 years playing ball. And, you know, I just didn't want to go back on the buses and, and get in the grind and do that again. I just wasn't ready for that, you know, with my kids and uh, my family. And so I, I didn't do it that way. But but uh, I kind of took a break from the game a little bit. And when my son got old enough to play, uh, you know, four or five, six years later, you know, I kind of got into – you know, coaching kids, and and now now I, it's kind of a passion of mine. So I, I do coach now, 
it's not in pro level or anything, but I, I coach kids and I help develop uh, young players, you know, so I spend a lot of time doing that and, and trying to help the, you know, the next generation coming up. You know, I, I, I like that side of it, the development, you know, and working the kids out and, uh, you know, practicing and teaching them the fundamentals and uh, teaching them how to play the game the right way, which is getting thrown out the door. Um, you know, try to try to be humble every now and again uh, and treat the game right, you know. So um, there's not much of that going on anymore. So there's only a few of us left, it seems, that that, that are trying to at least hone it down a little bit and let, let the respect of the game and integrity stay where it is, you know. Yeah. So your rookie year, back to your rookie year in 97, 98, I guess would 98 would be your kind of full year, I guess, or 99. Mm-hmm. One, one of them years mm-hmm. would be your full year. But I know every rookie goes through this. It's a baseball tradition. I don't know why, but it is. What did they have you do crazy, the rookies? What did they have you dress up as any? Because I've, I've had a lot of players yeah. say they've dressed up like crazy and done crazy yeah. stuff. What they have you yeah. do? I had to uh... – I actually wore like a pink tutu, like with le- leotards, and, uh, and and that's with the Cardinals. And we had to go through. We didn't just we didn't just fly on the tarmac. We actually had to go through the airport. It was late, so that was half a little bit good, but it was all of us. You know, there was I don't know five or six of us. You know, and. Um, they just get you a little uniform or whatever. Some guys had, you know, I had a tutu. Next guy had some other kind of dress or whatever. And guy had a Hooters outfit or whatever it was, you know. But uh, but I had to do that, you know. We had to sing on the bus, you know. You, you had to you had to get the beer off the bus and uh, or off the plane, bring it on the bus, you know. Just about anything, you know, that that they wanted you to do, you kind of had to do. If you respect the game, kind of what I was saying, uh, they never did anything overboard. You know, it, it was all in good. And it was just about learning that, you know, every year after that. So, you know, it was always, it's always in good fun. I don't even know if they do that much anymore. Oh, they you still know, do. They still do. Yeah, yeah. When I was, I've heard stories. They still do. I've seen yeah, it on TV. It's 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 all good, you know. Um, I mean, we dress guys up in all kinds of stuff, and uh, we did Aaron Rowan. I don't know if you remember Aaron Rowan. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Yep, Gold Glove center fielder. Yeah, yeah. When he came up, you know, we we got him in a, one of those little wrestling outfits, you know. <laughs> And, you know, he was already, like, jacked up, you know, muscles, you know, a little. Like but he, he was good, and we dropped, we dropped him off. We was in uh, New York, and we were driving the bus. We, we dropped him off and made him walk. You know, it was like three or four blocks, you know, it wasn't very far. And then the next day he met us, as me and Canerco, and he met us uh, at lunch, you know, in that same outfit. But he was, a, he was a good guy. He was a gamer, dude, you know. And I saw him. Uh, about a year ago in the airport and it was with my son and a couple of his teammates and we were out in Arizona doing playing a baseball tournament and I saw Aaron and we were waiting in the airport for our plane to leave and and he came and he sat with him and talked to him and he told him that story you know so it, it's a good story but you know that's, that's all in good fun you know and I'll dress up every day if I can stay there every day you know so now this is a two-part question. 
Um, when you were call when you were getting called up and you were still a rookie in your early years, uh, what pitchers, players, or coaches helped you along your career since you were a journeyman? And at the tor- towards the end of your career, like to say the last two years of your career, what player, what players, pitches, or yeah, or pitchers or players did you help along your way to retirement as a veteran? Oh, you know, uh, there was always you know a few guys here and there. Uh, as far as the coaches go. You know, they're mostly the minor league guys. Um, I spent a lot of time my pitching coach. Uh, his name was Marty Mason. Uh, you know, I played like three seasons with him, you know, him coaching me. And, you know, he was an Alabama guy. You know, I'm a Texas boy, so we're Southern guys. You know, we kind of kind of got along, so to speak. Uh, right. But I spent a lot of time. It's probably more time I spent with him. But, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. Not only just the pitch and stuff, just the, the just the little nooks and crannies of the mental game and, and things like that. And uh, you know, the other coach, uh, what was his name? Riggins, uh, Mark Riggins. He he actually taught me a pitch. It was a, a cutter. And uh, once I cut, once he taught me that, and I got good at it, that's when I got to the big leagues. You know, it was a difference maker. Um, but he just sat down in the bullpen one day and, uh, and he just kind of showed me, he was in double A, he kind of showed me how to hold it and stuff. And, you know, I'm glad he did because that was a pitch that it, it made a difference. You know, it was something I needed that, uh, that made the, made the world a difference in me getting guys out, you mm-hmm. know, consistently, um, mm-hmm. quicker, um, getting more ground balls with it. I, I kind of became a ground ball guy after that. The ball kind of sunk, and I threw a cutter. But those two guys probably, you know, for the big league level, um, my college coach that I had at Arizona State was a big influence. Um, I still spend time with him to this day. He lives here in Texas, and we coach together, actually. But, uh, his name was Dub Kilgo. But he was a he was a huge impact and because he was the first guy that really taught me about mechanics and 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 it made and it, the, the few changes that he helped me make made the difference in me getting drafted like I did in the first round. I mean, it I had a lot I owed to him just for just for the learning, the the little things that that made the difference that I just didn't know, you yeah. know, and um, it got me in shape. But those three guys probably on a you know on a sport. Uh, pitching, you know, um, for me, um, guys bringing me up, uh, you know, um, David Wells was, was a good guy. I got to hang, you know, he, I learned a lot from him and, and just the one year I played with him. Um, you know, a guy like, like McGuire, Stottlemyre, you know, uh, Tom Pagnazzi. I don't know if you remember that name. Uh, those are all the guys that were on the Cardinals that, that when I got brought up, you know, that kind of, you know, showed me how what a big leaguer was supposed to be like. You know, these guys were, you know, seven, eight, ten, twelve years in the big leagues. You know, Rick Honeycutt, uh, Eckersley was there. He's, Eckersley, my locker was right next to him. I'm, he was mad about that. I know. 
usually usually he doesn't have anybody next to him you know but we had so many guys up there and a lot of injuries so i got stuck next to him and i was there a month that year and and i never he never in one time i never said one word to him. <laughs> i did get a ball signed by him at the last day though I, I well, asked him that's a plus yeah i still got it you know and but uh you know that was that was something that was pretty cool you know just you know i was lucky when when i got brought up at that time with that team you know tony larusa was the manager you know they were they were as professional as it can get you know they they really cared about they really cared about service time and respecting the guys and, and how to be a big leaguer and you know how to go about your business every day to, to win you know it was just a real serious atmosphere but it but it was just with a group of guys that you know just have been there a long time and um, just watching them more than them kind of carrying me under their wing but just me paying attention to them and you know and frank was a good guy to me when i got over there with him mm-hmm. uh, you know canerco you know spent a lot of time with him there are a few guys that came up that i kind of a little bit took care of i guess is, uh, a little bit, maybe, I guess, is, uh, you know, like John Garland. I don't know if you remember that yep. name. Good he pitcher. Was, yeah, Good Mark pitcher. Burley. Yep. Yeah, Mark, Mark Burley. Burley. Drew a no-hitter against the Rays. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, those two guys were pretty – they were youngsters, you know. And uh, when we were at the White Sox, and uh, I kind of I, – I guess, I mean, I didn't have much time in then anyway, but I've been around for a while. I was a little older than they were. But uh, and Aaron Rowan, you yep. know, he always tells me he appreciates, uh, you know, the, the time I spent with him and and just helping him do little things here and there. And, uh, you know, uh, other than that, you know, I I wasn't much of you know much of the the big league guy that, that carried people around, but but I always treated people right. You know, I always cared about them. Uh, and I'd always do anything for them. So, I mean, I think that's the, the respect that I got, you know, from other people and that I gave to them. So, um, you know, the, there may be some guys out there that you'd ever talk to that might say that I helped them. You know, I, I feel like I tried to help anybody. Uh, but a lot of times I needed to help, you know. But uh, I think I went about it right. And I think the guys that I, that I influenced – um, ended up going about it right, and hopefully they pass it on. They passed it on the same way I did, you know. So, final question before I let you go is, what was your pitching repertoire, and what was your go-to pitch that you mainly used to get everybody out? Yeah, well, my fastball was, you know, I threw eighty-eight to ninety-two. You know, which today that's probably 92 to 94. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say today, the guns are faster, I think. But, you know, but my ball sunk. I had a little bit of a sink. You know, I, I, uh, I threw a, a cutter, like I said, which goes the other now way. You so learned, yeah. were, now you learn. Yeah. You know, one, one would kind of run into a righty, so to speak, and one would go away. They're similar, just going the opposite directions. But my curveball was always my pitch. Um, that was the difference maker for me because it kept them off my fastball. You know, it was a little bit slower, and I felt like it was pretty good. I could throw it any time in the count. 
you know. So um, that was my out pitch. If I could get two strikes on you, if I got there, I'd, I'd try to throw a strike. You know, I'd try to get to my curveball um, and try to get you to chase it. Um, and if I didn't, then I'd try to get my fastball so I can get back to my curveball and get you to chase it. So that curve was my, my out pitch, but I, I threw four pitch. I threw a change up as well, but it was always my last pitch. I, it was more of a show me pitch. I didn't, didn't use it too much in times where I could get beat on it, but I'd use it in, in between here and there just to keep guys and let them know that I have one, you know, but for the most part, it was, it was sinker cutter and, and breaking ball curveball. Perfect. And last one is define your career in one word. I asked that to everybody and we'll call it a night. Fun. There you go. Couldn't have said it any better. That, you, you grind it. You grind it out, Blessing. as you said. Blessing. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for doing this. You're more than welcome okay. to come on anytime. I appreciate it. I'll send you the full episode. So if you want to share that as well, I'd appreciate sure. it as well. Um, and also, if you know anybody else, I'm always looking for more interviews. So please send them my way if you still sure. know anybody from when you played. I appreciate okay. it as well. But other than that, thank you for joining. This concludes episode number 87 with Sean Lowe, former Major League pitcher. Until then, follow us on YouTube at Coffee Time with Byron. Uh, also on Spotify, Google, iHeart, you name it, all them podcast notes. Also at Coffee Time as well. And is there anything else you would like to add before we head off, Sean? No, man, just appreciate coming on. Enjoyed talking to you. Perfect. Perfect. Same as well. And I'll be texting you here and there as well. And let's get this baseball season going, hopefully. I hear you on that, buddy. Take care. <laughs> you too. All right. You have a good night. You too. Well, that concludes episode number 87 of Coffee Time with Sean Lowe. You all have a good night. Take care. Might be on tomorrow. I don't know. He's supposed to let me know. Former UFC fighter. I was supposed to have him on last week, but that didn't go down, unfortunately. He had something that he had something else he needed to do. So hopefully I'll have him on tomorrow. We will see. I don't know. But until then, take care. Have a good night. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs>